Thanks for joining us. Sitting uh, to my left is Greg Tilston. He's uh, traveled the world and now he sells wine. 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 Sells wine to rich people and uh, continues to travel doing that stuff and is probably um, the biggest lover of Toronto. I am. That Big I know. Fan. Yeah. We've talked about this a few times. We have. And uh, of course, my name is Kareem Kanji. Um, I just do this stuff here and uh, very excited about uh, today's guest. And I'm John Sewell. And I, um, well, I used to be a, a mayor of Toronto. I, I was elected to city council in 1969 after being a community organizer in one of the really low-income parts of the city at, at Parliament and, and, uh, and Queen Street, mm -hmm. the Trafan Court. And I got elected to council in 1969, served it as the, a councillor with my long hair and my jeans. <laughs> I saw uh, some of those photos. That's <laughs> pretty amazing. Yeah. Eh? <laughs> uh, but yeah, well, the, the thing is, I wore the long hair and the jeans and the leather jacket to say, I'm not like you other guys. Mm, and, you know, you. sorry, I'm just not you. I'm different than them. So it was, it was a statement. My clothes were making a statement. Yeah. Um, anyway, and then I decided I would run for mayor. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I actually, the, when I decided I would run for mayor, I put on a suit because I thought, okay, okay yeah. we'll get the clothes out of the way. <laughs> Uh, went to Harry Rosen and said, how do I look good How'd in a I, suit? Yeah. And he says, okay, fine, wear this, and you're fine. And he dressed me for a couple of years. Anyway, so I was mayor from 78 to, to 80. Um, and since then, I've done a whole bunch of things in Toronto, mostly about Toronto. Yeah. Um, most of them activists and uh, kinds of things, and the head of the housing authority and the head of a planning commission and on and on, you know, writing and all that junk. Nice. Well, I can, I can say this guy to my right here is probably too young to remember but i do remember living in scarborough uh when you were mayor of toronto so i, I look at I, that I, look at dude that. i didn't even hear that old <laughs> uh, there you it's, go it's the, your it's, hair it's, tells another story you the, got a good head of hair <laughs> there you go. that's that's what that is it's the just for men uh, it was, dye i use so i gotta tell you this is funny so my, my dad um when he found out uh john that you were coming into studio let me let me pull this up would he sent me this? Where would it be? I think it would be. Not under siblings. We've got like this chat. On this makes uh, for the most amazing part on, of the podcast. On WhatsApp. When he's like. Oh, I can't find it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, find there it. We but go. but he yeah. he he just went on and on. Did you know this about John? <laughs> right. He wore jeans as a mayor. He he rode his bike. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just to city hall every day. I really like the guy. Yeah. So well, he, I was standing for a different kind of politics, uh -huh. yeah. one that heavily involved people. I mean, what people seem to forget about politics back then is that we had two general things that we were trying to do. One was we were trying to create social democracy. So mm -hmm. we would create institutions that involve people in decision making saying, we as politicians, we aren't the only guys to make decisions. You you people, local people, you yeah, can help yeah. us make decisions. Um, and we, we were really serious about that. Mm -hmm. I mean, we actually made the point, sometimes we don't make good decisions, but if you people are involved, we're going to be okay. And secondly, we talked about social justice. Yeah. So we had these extraordinary programs of building affordable housing everywhere in the city. Uh, there was not opposition to it. People supported it because it was well-designed. It fitted in the community. It was a good mix of people, low-income people and middle-income people. Um, some of the communities have done extraordinarily well, like the St. Lawrence community around the St. Lawrence market. It's, it's um, which, highlighted around the world. As yeah, a, exactly. As a, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, one of the largest developments in, in the downtown of any North American city, and it's, it's worked extraordinarily well. Um, so... And so they were the two things, social democracy and, and um, social justice. And you think in today's terms, they mean nothing in terms of politics. No. You know, City Hall, it doesn't, seem, it doesn't mention those kinds of words at all, um, I'm, I'm, I'm which hoping, is a real problem. And that, and that was the ethos back then yeah. in the 70s. And, yeah. and, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping by the end of us having a discussion tonight, I, I'd... I'm hoping you're going to help me understand how we got to where we are today, recognizing what you <clears throat> did and put together and, and yeah. collaborated with yeah. great people on back then. Yeah, I'm curious. Some would say that the, uh, your politics was very could could have been at that time defined as very populist. So, like for the people, you were the mayor for the people. 
and, and today we've got, you know, uh, you know, we're here to talk about Toronto, but we've got a um, the first government for the people, you know, the, or the first conservative government for the people of Ontario. Uh, they call it. There's a lot of um, discussion around populism or populist politics. Yeah. Um, but you what's know, the, what's the difference? Or is well, there first di- of all, we never talked about that. We never said we're for the people. Mm, <laughs> we yeah. basically said, you know, yeah. we want affordable housing. We're going to build affordable housing for people. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So we were very clear. None of this sort of rhetoric stuff. Mm. Um, and we, we, we were really on the ground. And we were also, we're going to involve you in decisions. You know, none of this stuff. Oh, we're going to be transparent and we're going to be open. No, we're going to actually involve people. Mm-hmm. And so when we want to make a decision about something, we're going to figure out how to get people involved. I mean, one of the reasons St. Lawrence as a community is so successful around the St. Lawrence market is that we had to figure out how to design it. Mm-hmm. And of course, we got a designer to give it what we want. But what do we want? Well, we aren't sure. What was the, we, if you don't mind me, just, uh, I, I want to pause there. What was the impetus behind the need for that? Like, what was that part of your platform? Yeah, that was, was discussion. not just me, but, okay. but myself and a whole bunch of other mayors of council. We yeah. said, this is something we want to do. Okay. We want to build affordable housing. We okay. believe in it. You know, there obviously there's always low income people in the city and there was back in the 70s. We said, we want to do something about it. Okay. Um, there was not a lot of homelessness back then, I want to tell you, because mm. we were trying to deal with that issue. Yeah. Um, so in, instead of hiring a planner who would tell us what to do in St. Lawrence, we actually got a group of people together. We got some people from Regent Park because mm-hmm. they were in a community that didn't work. <laughs> yeah. And we got some people from Cabbage Town and we got some people who were involved with cooperative housing and mm-hmm. so forth. And we sat around and we said, what do we do? And we sat down with the planners, worked with the planners. And that's why we got such a terrific community, a great mix of people, good housing forums, you know, a terrific park down the center of, and so on. Mm-hmm. So it was a way of trying to make sure that we really involve people. And today, governments go through the motions, but they never listen to people. Mm-hmm. And you hear that from people all the time. Oh, I went to a meeting, but they didn't want to listen to us. Well, it's because they didn't set up a structure where they say, so what are we going to do in this situation, folks? Mm. And it doesn't mean you listen to the loudest voices. It means you have a discussion. Because, I mean, one of the great problems in the world uh, is something like talk radio where you hear people yelling out their opinions and it doesn't get anywhere. What you have to do is you have to sit down and you have to start sharing ideas. And so I share it with you and with you and... Oh, you think, okay, well, that's right. That's not really what I believe. What I really believe is, and you, so forth, and you start to change it. It's the discussion, the process mm. that's absolutely critical to get really, really good decisions. So if you want good decisions in government, you have to involve a lot of people and you have to do it in processes that mean something. And I think that's the difference to what you're talking about, the, the, the party that's in power right now. I mean, we're into, with ETFO's announcement today of, for the um, what did health, you call health curriculum, ETFO. Education. Uh, oh, sorry. I shouldn't know this. It's my Elementary wife's Teachers Federation of Federation. Ontario. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think this is now the third or the fourth ju- uh, uh, legal proceedings brought in front of this 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 um, government. Mm-hmm. And how many how many months are we in now? Oh yeah. Like, we're 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 because in they're month, not they're, they're just ramming stuff through. <laughs> there. There's no collaboration happening. That's no, a huge no, difference. No. Yeah. And it means that they don't get the best ideas out yeah. of people, and they don't get workable ideas. Mm-hmm. that often you, you have to negotiate and you, know, you have to realize, oh, maybe that wasn't such a smart idea yeah. after all. Yeah. And, you know, maybe I can't take credit for it. Maybe there's this whole group of us are going to have to take credit for it. But we aren't doing that. And it's not just the, I mean, you know, the Doug Ford is one thing, but, you know, Toronto City Council is about the mm-hmm. same. It doesn't listen much <laughs> to other people either. And, I mean, I think there are some reasons for it. I mean... To me, the biggest thing is we, we had this thing called the megacity that came along 20 yep. years ago um, where we, we fought very hard against this idea of amalgamating all the cities together because at the end of the day, we got two cultures here. We've got the, the downtown culture where you're dealing with relatively intense development. It's mixed development where there's really active life on the streets and you know a mix of incomes and shops and industries and offices and residences compared to the suburbs where it's all spread out and in fact uses are all separated the shopping malls over there people live over here in houses and you know, some apartments over there hmm. they're different cultures 
Interesting. And you, it's very, very hard to find a, a, a political base that's similar in each one. They're different. Um, and we know that because before we had the mega city, the city, the city of Toronto, which was the downtown, the older, intense part, we had all these affordable housing programs. No other municipality, Scarborough, North York, Tobico, none of them had affordable housing hmm. policies at all. Yeah. Oh, a difference in culture. So that means that the the city council is a really muddled body of trying to mush these two different kinds of of ways of looking at the world together and it hasn't worked it's served us very very badly and it means that we get big mushy people in the middle like john tory as the mayor who what's he stand for well it's not quite clear <laughs> and of course if it was clear what he stood for either the suburban lights would hate him or the city people would hate him they're not going to go anywhere well, it's funny because we've—I mean, we've—we've we've discussed that difference many times between. Yeah. You know, you've 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 taken the the Scarborough route, and I've taken the downtown view. Yeah. And uh, you know whether it's transit, schools, you know, or, or support within the schools. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it culture it, it entertainment. Is culture entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, they're different worlds. They're different. Very they're very different. different. And the the point is, we have to recognize that, in my opinion, and we should have political structures that recognize it, and we don't. Bringing the mega city together wrecked that political structure. The political structure we used to have was metropolitan government, where you mm -hmm. had a federation, you had the city with sitting with the, the suburbs, deciding issues on certain issues together. But then they had large areas where they made decisions apart, mm -hmm. like a real federation, just this, like the Canadian Federation. Yeah. This is why I always have a problem with decisions being made at, at a government level where the, the, the reasoning behind the decision is to save money. Yeah. Because my, my whole belief is, is that the government is not in place to be a money maker or a money saver. It's in place to serve. Right. Right? It, the local government is in place to make sure that garbage gets picked up across the whole area, that um, people can go from one end of the city to the other end of the city, you know, the provincial government, you know, healthcare, uh, the national government, well, it's not mail anymore, but defense and taxation, right? So there's there's these things that that they're there for, and my remembrance of um, this whole um, mega city was it's going to save X amount of millions of dollars a year, and when it you did. make decisions like that, it's like that's not a reason. To do something is because it's going to say that might be the reason why you change something in your house or why a business might stop a line of production. But when you're talking about services that impact people's lives. Well, of course, money. I mean, it's even worse that they're usually lying when they say it's going to save money. It usually doesn't sure, save money. Yeah. The, the mega city has never saved any money. Everybody's admitted that now. Mm -hmm. it, it's cost a lot of money. And, and I, was, I was a vendor on the IT side during that time. And myself and a number of other people, we had quite good years then. And and, 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 it's not that, no, but it's, and I don't mean that as in we went out and purposely went out to screw anybody or screw, you know, yeah, to, yeah. To, to, it just, you know, as they were bringing the contracts together, those of us that got the contracts did quite well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, so yeah, yeah, but I agree with it. You have to watch that about saving money. Part of the problem with government nowadays, though, is that this great fear of taxation you know mm. nobody's made the case as strongly as they should that that you know that, that there's no problem with taxation it should be fair um and if it has to go up it has to go up but you know that people are afraid of their jobs you know, uh, but you know the point is that so what if we all have to pay a bit of taxes i mean yeah. you know mm -hmm. uh, that this is not the end of the world they it's taxes that have produced the extraordinary benefits that came to society in the 20th century. I mean, you know, 20th century in, in the world from basically from 1950 to 1980 was extraordinary in terms of people's lives. You know, the, the people's li longevity increased enormously, their mm -hmm. welfare. And it was because we had government programs that taxed things and provided benefits like health care and old age pensions and mm -hmm. children's daycare, all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And we've gotten away from that about how governments are bad and taxes are bad. And uh, we've we got to get out of that. That's a, that's a very bad hole to be in.
do do you do you look at that view any different between federal, provincial, and municipal? Like, do you think there's any? No, I think and, they're yeah, all the yeah, same. Okay. The, the great problem municipally is that municipalities don't in Canada do not have very much money. Mm-hmm. Their access to money comes through the property tax. Um, but in fact, what they really need is access to sales tax um, and maybe some corporate taxes and maybe some income taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are in the purview of the provincial and, and federal governments. So municipalities are sitting there with no money to spend at all. And about two-thirds of the revenue of Toronto City Council, which mm-hmm. is, what now, $12 billion a year, it comes from other levels of government. Mm-hmm. Through yep. pro- shared use programs, well, of course, at those other levels of government, if they want to cut them back, they yep. just cut them back. And, and we what do that. you do yep. if you're the, yeah, you know, I yep. mean, w- which has happened lots to Toronto. Yep. So one of the things we need, we desperately need, in and it's all in all Canadian cities, not just Toronto, not just Ontario, but uh, they need it in Alberta and Manitoba and British Columbia. Is we need arrangements where municipalities have access to more tax dollars. They do in many, many other countries in the world. I, uh, I, I went to Scandinavia a few years ago, and one of the things I decided to do was to try and talk to Scandinavian local politicians in, in Denmark, in Norway, and in Sweden. And I did. I talked to them mm-hmm. in all three of them, all three of those places. And I, the question I asked everybody is, so, okay, you're in local government. Do you have enough money to do all the things you're supposed to do, like run the schools mm-hmm. and run the, and build affordable housing, I mean, which is what local municipalities do there in, in all the scanning. Well, they said, we could always use some more money, but yeah, we have enough money. Yeah. Wow. And the reason was that, in fact, they didn't have any shared use programs. They had the revenue tools to actually support the programs that they were trying to run. Hmm. So if they wanted to build affordable housing, they didn't have to run off to the state or provincial government and say, oh, oh, give, give yeah. me some money. Yes. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. They could do it themselves. Hmm. So, you know, that, uh-huh. and that's a, a different way of organizing things. So it means that, that everything is clear in terms of what governments do. In Canada, you have the federal government up at top and below it the provincial government and uh-huh. the lowest level is the municipal government. But in Scandinavia... It's not a layer and layer and layer. It's three different segments. Over here you have municipal government, and over here you have the state government, and over here you have the national government. They're independent, independent sources of money so they can get to operate. So if we could actually get a lot more taxing power for municipalities, I think we'd get out of a lot of trouble. Now, we asked for that when they rewrote the City of Toronto Act. Yes. Um, in uh, 2003 or 2004, somewhere in there. Um, but in fact, David Miller, who was then the mayor, didn't want to ask for it. He didn't want to ask for the power to, to levy sales tax. And I think his problem was he feared that if he had that power, he might have to do it. And, oh, that could get people angry at him. Well, you know, oh, um. anyway, um, so, so that's a big, big problem we've got here where the cities are little, little guys with no money and they have to beg. And there's John Tory up there begging every day. Begging at the feds. Could you give us some money, money for this? Money for transit. Could money you give for us that, some, yeah. yeah, whatever. You know, sure. what, a, what a way to run things. It's crazy. It, it has have, have the horses left the barn, or is there a way to no, do No, we that? could change this anytime. We could have a, yeah. a provincial government that says, we're going to do it. We're going to change the municipal act, or at least for Toronto or mm-hmm. for the bigger mm-hmm. cities in Ontario, and say, you're going to have access to the sales tax. You want to levy 1% or 2% sales tax? If you leveled a one percent sales tax in Toronto, you'd produce about three or four billion dollars a year. One percent. Mm-hmm. Well, three or four billion—that's a lot. Of, yep. I mean, that starts to fund serious transit, mm-hmm. you know, or serious housing, or serious daycare. That builds or, one stop to Scarborough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah well, I might spend it in other ways than that. Anyway, the point is that you know it's a lot. So it would be a very good thing to have. Yeah. Now, I, you know, do we see people asking for that? No, we don't. So Tori, Tori asked um, Kathleen Wynne, right, a, a couple of years ago, uh, whether he could um, put a usage Rose, fee. Road tax. Road yeah, tax. Right, a, to- a toll on the 
I don't know if it was the, the forewarn or the gardener or the DVP well, or something gardener, like that, right? I, I'm a big supporter of road tools. Yeah. I think it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Someone who, who some, I mostly drive a bicycle, but I, we have a car, and of course I drive a car. I would support a road tool. Yeah. But the way he asked for it was bound to defeat it. He Why basically said, I'm, I'm asking for a road tool so that anybody who comes in Toronto, we can nab them yeah, on a road the tool. Positioning of it was, and yeah, if he right. had said, we need a road tool in Toronto, and we need it in Mississauga, and we need it in, in York Region and Markham, and, uh, he went you know, and, you know, and then going to those mayors and say, let's go together and ask for a road tool, I think he would have got it. Hmm. Because I, fact, I, know, I know on Facebook, I mean, you know, I, I saw my 905 friends absolutely lose it when he was yeah, asking for that. Good. Because you're right, the positioning was so that when the 905s come into Toronto, it wasn't to work. for myself as, you know, I, yeah. didn't, I, don't ride, yeah. I don't drive that much. But yeah. to get across the city, if I was going to take the gardener to go to the CNE like I did last week, yeah. I'd be paying the toll. Yeah. Yeah. And but, you know, and if he'd asked it in conjunction with those other because they need money as much as anybody else. Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, Mississauga's in trouble and Markham's in trouble. I mean, they're all, you know, des- you know, anyway. So the point is that a lot of this has to do with how you ask for things mm-hmm. and how you're clear about it. I mean, I know that it was Kathleen Wynne who got blamed for that. Oh, she's against roads toll. But in fact, the problem was it was those 905 politicians who said not on my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So unless they ask, yeah, unless you ask for it, right? Anyway, um, there's there's a ton of stuff, John, that that I want to talk about. Um, you, earlier on, you were talking about the success of the St. Lawrence neighborhood. Um, your thoughts on Regent Park now? You know, you you guys were talking to people in Regent Park because it wasn't working yeah. then. Yeah, seems to have they've turned it around. It seems. What are your thoughts on Regent Park today? I'm not very happy with the redevelopment. Okay. Um, I mean, I think that the Daniels group, Mitch Cohen's very interesting guy, does very interesting work. But what the city has approved there is simply not good enough. As an example, before there was any redevelopment in Regent Park, mm-hmm. you know, 10 years ago, there were 2,200 units of rent geared to income affordable housing mm-hmm. in there. After the redevelopment's finished, there's going to be 1,500 units. Really? Of affordable rent geared to it. So I, I'm, I'm embarrassed I didn't realize. My that. goodness, you think. Sorry, this is our opportunity to expand the amount of affordable housing, not decrease it. So that's one problem that I have, uh, a very serious one. I think that if we started with 2,300 units of affordable housing, we should have ended up with 3,300. You know, 50%. Yeah, I thought it was the same. I thought it was to have an increase. 50, I, no, I mean, no, when no, you look at the no. mixed use on St. Lawrence Market, and, I thought we are going to have similar... Nope. Um, and the, uh, secondly, one of the great things we did in St. Lawrence is we said in every building, a third of the units are going to be low income, rent geared to income. In all those rental buildings, a third of them. Mm-hmm. The other two thirds rent to anybody. Sure. Um, so we mixed incomes yeah. within each building. Yeah. In Regent Park, they haven't done that. Oh. Low income people, they live in separate buildings. Thank right. you very much. Come on, we said. We've learned the lesson. That doesn't work. Hmm. And Mitch Cohen has actually tried with the Toronto Community Housing Project to say, look, in this next condo I'm building, why don't you buy 50 or 60 units mm-hmm. and make them rent? No, wouldn't do that, they said. So so that's a, real, a second problem. And, I, I mean, to me, quite frankly, a third problem is I don't like the form. The thing about St. Lawrence that I love is the fact it's mostly low-rise. It's two and three story townhouses and eight or nine story apartment buildings. There's a few apartment buildings higher than that, but not very many. So there's this sense that it's a real community close to the ground, very dense. Mm-hmm. It's a hundred units an acre when you when you actually mm-hmm. add it all up. In the new Regent Park, there's a million high rises. But it's not that the density is higher. The density in, in Regent Park is only 65 units an acre. In other words, it's it's only, you know, it's much less than St. Lawrence, which is 100. So I don't like the formula. So they're the problems that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tried very hard to to get the Toronto Community Housing uh, Company to, to change all that. I was on the working committee for a while, and then I thought, I'm not going to get a heart attack. I just can't take these guys anymore. I'm quitting. But when the thing went to city council for approval, I and 12 community organizations were down there saying, this plan is not good enough. Mm-hmm. And you've got to change it in, in the ways that I'm talking about. 
No, they said we couldn't do that, sorry. And so they've gone ahead with this plan. So I, I'm discouraged. We could have done an awful lot better. I mean, and because mm -hmm. what you, you said is right. I mean, St. Lawrence is admired yep. around it's the world because it, it works yeah. as a community. So why didn't we just copy that as the model? Yeah. You know, we knew it worked. Why try something else? Anyway, so it's 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 discouraging. Hmm. I wonder if it has anything to do with with the developers having more power and more say. Well, again, in St. Lawrence, we said we're going to divide the land up into small little blocks. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, by the street levels, we'd have blocks on each street, and a developer can only build in one block. So we're going to use a whole bunch of different developers. Mm -hmm. You know, some of them are cooperative, nonprofit cooperative. Some are social housing, which the city did some, some social agents. Some are private developers, but only one. But in in Regent, what we've done is turned it all over to one developer, the Daniels Group. Mm -hmm. Now, as I say, I have a lot of admiration for, for Mitch Cohen. He's, he's, but the city's program of just saying, oh, we're just doing one developer, in, in my opinion, ha hasn't worked well. Interesting. So, you know, there's, there's lots of different ways of doing these things. And if you don't do them the right way, you might end up paying for them. I mean, I, surely that's the problem we learned when we built the original Regent Park mm. You know, in in the late 1940s, mm. it, it wasn't very good. Thank you very much. No, we made some bad mistakes, and we shouldn't repeat them. And part of it was that we had one company doing the whole thing back then. Hmm. Anyway, so there well, there we are. Yeah, it's it's. It, I mean, it, I'm I'm surprised to learn that they've put the low income in one one building. You're saying or one or two buildings? Oh no, there's yeah. a couple of buildings. Well, a couple, a couple that of they're in, but the point is they're in it's separate split. buildings yeah. from everybody when, else. When the model should be low-income kids are getting up to go to school and see everybody going to work and and, and, I mean, that's and people mixing in the, here people mixing in the building so yeah. in fact yeah. you know there happens to be a lawyer yeah. in your building and get to know exactly. a lawyer and you know just yeah. yeah you know that and because what we know in st lawrence that incomes never seem to be a dividing line you know okay they happen to live in our building and yeah. you know Wow. It's, so it's 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 hmm. yeah. You know, I mean, it's a simple thing, isn't it? In my opinion, it's a simple. It, I thing. mean, it sounds like it, right? Yeah. It sounds like it. Um, now, I mean, you know, some people say, "Oh, well, the way they've structured the housing programs and stuff, you know, doesn't." I, I just don't buy that. Of course, it allows it. You can, you can do anything you want, but I mean, here we are. We're we're in a position where we're in great trouble about housing in Toronto at the moment. We mm -hmm. literally do not have enough affordable. We we're actually losing affordable housing. The city council's tearing down public housing that they haven't been willing to repair. <laughs> right. I mean. So there's there's wow, that. Wow. You think there's there's hotels that um, are housing literally, they don't rent out. They're you know the government's their client. Yeah. Um, because you know you've got you know refugees coming. There's there's not. There's not enough housing. I mean, this past winter, yeah. you know, um, John Tory's asking for buildings to be open and trying to figure out where to put these beds and stuff. And and this upcoming winter is going to be the same thing because yep. nothing's been done between then and now. It's probably there's less rooms now. Well, we don't have a housing program. So here we are. We've got a federal government that has announced a national housing program. Right, mm -hmm. it's come out and it said, mm -hmm. "Here's the money for it." Yeah, and they did that. Oh, maybe seven or eight months ago. So you think so? Where is the city of Toronto's housing program so they can say, "Oh, right, okay, feds, that's what you're doing." Here, here's what we need. We're going to do this. We don't have a housing program. We don't know how we'd want to spend that money. And I tried to bring some people together earlier this year, saying, "Let's create a housing program." Well, maybe it's a bit too early. People were huh. saying, "May why don't we wait until after the the, the municipal election this fall?" Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, and turns out that's what we're doing. We we don't have we don't have an idea what we're going to do about yeah. housing. I mean, it's it's absolutely crazy. And, and no one's and no one's going to remember that last winter we had a problem, and why this winter we have the same problem. Yeah. Like there, and and the problem is that it, you know, to to deal with the housing crisis, it's going to take us ten years, because you know it takes three or four years to actually to build, build something. Although, yeah, sure. here's the other thing about the, that's interesting about St. Lawrence. Since we conceived of St. Lawrence as an idea in 1974, mm -hmm. 
that's when we said, my goodness, there's all this vacant, awful land down there where they store coal and auto wrecking yards and literally just south of Front Street from Young Street over to Parliament Street uh, around the, the St. Lawrence Market. And we said, we want to do something. We thought of that in 1974. The first building was under construction in 1976. We bought the land, we did the plan, we got the mortgage money. Within two years, the first building was under construction. You know, so it was moving really, really fast. Mm -hmm. But there was a sense of urgency, and I don't see the sense of urgency. Was there pushback? Like, were there politicians that said, no, never, this is too much? No, this is hardly, hardly. There were some, but they, they didn't get anywhere. Cause, it's a different time. Is it a different Well, it's, different it's just a matter of being serious. And we're saying, come on, we're serious about this. We're going to push ahead. And, you know, when politicians are serious mm -hmm. and really decide to get to it, they can do good things. And, and let me give you the example, the current example, which is Joe Cressy and safe injection sites. Okay. So here we are, we've got this problem about opioids and so forth, and we know that safe injection sites work. Joe Cressy decides, okay, what am I going to do about it? I'm going to try and do something about it. Sure enough, he puts together a program and he contacts people like me. I know he contacted people like me and said, can you get 50 big people in Toronto in favor of safe injection sites? Well, yeah, I said, I probably could. Let me phone up my friend David Crombie, you know, the former mayor. Mm -hmm. So David Crombie and I actually got 50 big people, some archbishops and some big lawyers. And it's all, you know, saying this is something we should do. And then Cressy got John Tory, who was opposed to safe injection sites, mm -hmm. and said, I want to go and show you something. And he went and showed them to a place where they give out free needles mm -hmm. um, at Dundas and Young, right? I mean, right off there. And I mean, and Joe, John Tory had never seen one of these places that's run by the city before. But sure enough, that got John Tory on side saying, maybe safe injection sites are a good idea. And sure enough, we now have three or four safe injection sites in Toronto. So it's a, it's a question of, you know, people like, like Joe Cressy have actually got the skills to say, okay, we got a big problem here. How are we going to solve it? And we can solve it. And he could do that in spite of that really hostile environment that, yeah. that we happen to be in at the moment. Fair enough. So the point is that politicians working really hard can achieve these things. Mm -hmm. And politicians working really hard on the other side can achieve they, th they can create a lot, of trouble. a lot of trouble. I mean, the Doug Ford problem. Yeah, boy, can they create trouble. Or the, I call it marmalade. Yeah. Marmalade. The no, ma but the, 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 the mammalade. Was that real? Like, I saw oh, that What is it? Cockroaches? He had a gun? Uh, what yeah. did he have? He had like a oh, sledgehammer. A sledgehammer. Like as big, I'm going to take the sled. I, 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 I honestly, when I first saw that, I thought somebody was just Yeah, it's a bit shocking. Moving on the guy. A bit shocking. Yeah, a bit shocking. Yeah. So how do people like him still get elected? Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, the uh, what percent? He only got what twenty-seven, twenty-eight percent of the vote because a bunch of people are running in that community. And mm -hmm. you know, what you're going to have to, if you want to get elected, you've got to go into a community and you've got to really work hard in that community, and uh, for for two or three years around causes in that community, um, b before you decide to run. There's no other way of doing it, and I don't know. You know, we we don't have the infrastructure that supports that. You know, back in the in the 60s and 70s, we had all sorts of programs that encouraged people to go out and do social causes. We had opportunities mm. for youth. It was called. We had LIP grants, local initiative program grants, where. Mm. So people were doing all these things, working in communities and getting people together and pursuing causes, some of which were totally crazy, but mm -hmm. some of them turned out to be good, and it produced a lot of action at the local community level. We don't have that anymore. Most social agencies can't hire community organizers anymore that pull people mm. together. They just aren't, get, aren't given the money. Um, so people would have to decide on their own that they're going to work two, for two or three years in a community really, really hard organizing people um, and then running and getting elected on that basis. That's certainly what I did. I was a community yeah, organizer. Yeah, there's not. You don't hear about community organizers anymore. No, I was no, thinking my, like my dad was my dad was sat on as president I think, for CCRA out in West Hill, <clears throat> um, working with Paul Cosgrove and oh, yeah. guys back in the day. And I mean that was very much you know like that was our 
community at, at as yep. that sort of um, Centennial Road, Lawrence, Port Union. That area was being built in the yep. you know late sixties, yep. yep. early seventies, and it was very much a part of what you got involved in. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, we don't have a lot of that now, and, and that's a problem. And so then what happens is people think, oh, hey, there's an election, I'm going to run. Well, mm. not good enough. You know, yeah, your chances yeah. getting elected are really, really, really slim. Um, so we somehow have to start to encourage that. And I think it's a matter of people sort of saying, this is something I'm going to do. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not going to get paid for it, but I'm going to do it for two or three years and see if we can make a real difference in the community. I think if we started doing that, that would make a major difference in terms of the amount of development that's happening in various parts of Toronto. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, some of the parts of Toronto, as we know, are overwhelmed by condo development. But if we had some good community organizing, we we could probably start to control all that stuff. Do you think? Yeah. It, do you think it's partly too the what, how we're uh, compensation's not maybe not the right word, but how we're compensating people to get involved in politics where I'm going with this is often you know councillors are you know they either they have a full-time job right so the amount of time they can invest to it is it's minimalized it's it's less or they don't have a full-time job and the compensation is very minimal I don't know. I just because like I've seen a lot of people come up through the the school trustees and sorry, yeah. I was going to say council. I didn't mean that. It's a trustee system through the trustees, yeah. and so I've seen a few people come up through the trustees into. Yeah, that's local. how they get well known yeah. around the community. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I you know my line is that if you want to be serious about politics, you know, don't worry about the money. Yeah, um, it just it, it ain't going to be there. Yeah. Uh, if, if you want to make real change sure mm -hmm. uh, because the problem with making real change is that you know um, sometimes you're going to lose politically I mean that that happened sure. to me when I was mayor so there I am as mayor taking on the cops um, saying they have to reform and 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 then supporting the gay community well guess what <laughs> that meant that I didn't get reelected as mayor I lost out by a just a tiny sliver of votes by a vote of poll I mean it was very 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 close uh, but uh, the point is, I lost, mm -hmm. uh, and that's one of the costs of standing up for things. You know, you just you okay, you, you know, you might lose. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so you have. So I think if you're going to be serious about political change, you have to say, "I'm getting into it." There's not going to be any money in it, mm -hmm. and there might be some defeat that I'm going to have to suffer along the way as well. Uh, but that's, you know, ho hum. This is this. You know, is there someone on council right now? Um, I just want to stay on housing just for one one last question then we can move but is there someone on council or someone who's running that you see as a public housing advocate well I wouldn't talk about public housing about affordable, affordable housing, housing. Fair <laughs> public affordable housing, housing has that awful thing yes. about the you know rent gear to income stuff that was built by the Ontario yeah. Housing Corporation in the 50s and 60s um, well Ann Balau is somebody mm -hmm. who speaks up for housing. I don't think she's been effective as she should have been, uh, but she's probably been the most powerful person saying we've, we should be doing something about housing. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we, we got to have somebody who's, who's pulling the development community alongside of them. I mean, there's some very interesting developers out there who would be delighted to try and figure out how to resolve this problem. You know, mm -hmm. uh, Steve Diamond or Mitch Cohen are, are two, two people who who've been very interested in trying to deal with this. And, you know, if we started using them and saying, how do we do this? What do we do? What kind of money do we need? How we, you know, what kind of approvals do we do? Um, we, but none of that has happened. Um, part of it is that we, we haven't done well in our planning department. I mean, we have cut back city services so much that in something like our planning department, we don't have any excess people there who can think big thoughts? <laughs> they mm -hmm. just um, so that we haven't been able to think about any reasonable ways of of building housing. I mean, let me give you a small example. Sure, sure. Instead of building all these condos downtown, why aren't we building along the major avenues, like um, Saint Clair? Uh, like uh, Eglinton, like Lawrence, like Finch. Yeah. Why aren't we building six and seven story buildings with shops at the bottom and all of those small shops at the bottom and all all of those streets? Mm -hmm. Well, 
we've never had anybody sit down to say, well, how, how do we make it easier for the developers in planning terms to do that so that they could actually say, oh, I'm going to buy this and I'm going to build on it here. We've never done that. Instead, we have a planning system that basically says, okay, developer, you want to do something? You buy the property and then come to us and we'll negotiate with you. Well, then three years later or four years later, the developer might have a scheme that allows them to go ahead. There's no assurance at all. It's a gamble, right? Mm -hmm. The gamble is not in marketing as units, which it should be. The gamble is getting the approval from City Hall. Um, but if we actually had a planning system that said, oh, we're making it really easy. You go in there, as of right, you can build six stories. Boom, right there. Hmm. And here are the rules about the six stories. Mm -hmm. You know, at the, the bottom floor, you got to have shops. And they've got to be small shops, not Loblaws, not banks. <laughs> yeah. Small shops. Mm -hmm. um, you know, apart from that, fire away. Do it. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know. Doing stuff like that. But we, we don't have a planning department that's actually worked out all those rules to make sure. Because it would mean that we'd get a lot of the development out of the downtown where we don't need any more big development, thank you very much, and into those low-density areas where it really needs it. I mean, sure. You know, Particularly with the Eglinton Crosstown going across. Yeah, I mean, there's exactly. a perfect opportunity perfect right opportunity. now. Perfect opportunity. Perfect opportunity. Mm. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. And we, we could be doing that. We haven't done that. Mm. Very discouraging. Sorry, I lied. I want to ask about 401 Richmond because that's sort of like a... Oh, 401 Richmond, it's, sure. It's, not, it's, not a, it's more of a real estate, but it could be housing. But So my wife works inside 401 Richmond. She works for uh, an organization called Park People. Yeah. Um, and so I was very curious about this whole issue about uh, 401 Richmond. Um, so it's Richmond Spadina, um, and that building has all these creative organizations or community organizations and they were about to be charged market rent or market rent, sorry, taxes as if they were like the taxes said it. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> the way our property tax system works mm -hmm. is that the assessment, the assessment on which taxes. the Texas taxes are levied yeah. is based on market values. Yeah. So if the market values of everything is going up around you, mm -hmm. hey, going to go up for you too and therefore you're going to pay more taxes yeah so you just to give the simple example you live in a house you've lived there for 40 years um and you know you bought it for twenty-five thousand dollars 40 years ago the houses are now a million dollars around you guess mm. what they're going to value your house at 40 million at a million dollars and you're going to pay taxes on that basis mm -hmm. so your taxes go way way up even though Wait a second now. <laughs> yeah. And even though you have the equity, like, I, I, you know, yep. Kelly and I are up in the Pape and Danforth area. <clears throat> so we have a lot of, like, uh, families that have been there forever. Um, older couples still living in the house. Their, their, their tax rates have gone through the roof. To, through the but, roof. But it, and, and they've got the equity in the house, and that's fantastic. But if you sell it, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Move exactly. To yeah. Uh, so, so that, anyway, so, so that's <laughs> the way we, we establish property taxes, as I say, which is the only, the only, big method of the city raising its revenue. So when it comes to 401 Richmond, here is Margie Zeidler, um, who, who bought the building for almost nothing, um, you know, 25 years ago, because nobody wanted it. It was an old, you know, factory building, four or five story factory building. And then decided she was gonna bring in all these absolutely fascinating uses artists and, you know, and it, um, a lot of computer stuff in the early days and so forth. Um, and she said, I'm going to charge low rents mm -hmm. because these are uses that we should have in the city and you know, create a community here. Well, all of that was perfectly fine until the condos started to buy up stuff all around her. Yeah. And the property values went way, way up. And so the taxes on 401 started to go way, way, way up, which meant that the rents that she was charging people were not... You know, not sustain. You know, she she couldn't pay the the property taxes. Yeah. So that was the problem, and we tried to figure out how to deal with it. And now the the the, the previous liberal government passed a law which allows the city to actually provide a discount mm -hmm. in, in for some of those yeah. taxes. Yeah. Um, but it, it's sort of a piecemeal way of doing it. I might say this problem, this market value problem of assessment is not just one that happens in Toronto, it's all over the world. Okay. So in London, England, 
a lot of small shops are really, really, really under the gun and being forced out for the very same reason. Hmm. And what we've got to do is start thinking of a new way of doing property taxes. So it doesn't work like that. So you don't get screwed because somebody's building a condo beside you that's a 30-story condo that you don't want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but that, in fact, raises all the, the prices of the land around you. Sure. So and and that's a difficult. It's not an easy problem, but it's something we have to address. It's so entrenched, should, right? That it's well, that theory of how we do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it. We had actually sorted out how to do it in the in the nineteen seventies. When I was mayor, I did a, a property tax reform thing, and we actually put out a terrific paper, um, which got adopted by council. But then, when I didn't get reelected, the the new guy who got elected, Art Eggleton, just junked it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the system remained a big mess. And then Mike Harris came along and said, oh, I'm going to simplify it all. I'm going to bring Take a market over. value assessment and everybody, yeah. and boom, you're going to get it in the neck. And you got it in the neck. Yeah. So it's, I mean, this is another big issue that city council is not dealing with, you know. And maybe it's because we don't have the staff or the attention. Uh, you know, nobody likes talking about taxes. They're too complicated, right? They only like For talking me about. <laughs> well, they they only like talking about the fact that we shouldn't have any big we taxes. Should, no. uh, but in fact, the tax system. I mean, and this is the same at the federal level. We don't talk about that, so that you know, um, here in some kind of a system of of taxing some capital, small capital gains of people. Remember the trouble he got in there? Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, just yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. You know, and so that's always the problem about taxes. Yeah. But, you know, we, sorry, we got to figure out how to deal with it. And you if we had a big council that got serious about it, maybe we'd be okay. So are you in favor of a big council or a small council? Let's get let's get that <laughs> question right there. Well, I no, my first question would be a council for what? What I would say is, look, at, there's two different kinds of communities in the current city of Toronto. Mm-hmm. There's the, the downtown complex, mixed, dense community, and then the outside in the suburbs, there's the low-density, separated-use communities. I think each of them should have their own council. All right. So I would go back to the system where it says Toronto and maybe East York and maybe the city of York should be one level unit of government okay. with its own council. Sure. And Scarborough, North York, and Etobicoke should be another unit of government. They can three governments for all I care. I don't care. Um, so that that's the first thing. Separate them out so that we can recognize that they have different political cultures. And then the question is, how big should those councils be? Well, I'm a fan of saying councils generally shouldn't be any bigger than about two dozen people. Mm-hmm. Huh. More than two dozen people, you can't get a reasonable discussion going. But you don't want those, each of those people to be representing too many people. So, you know, you may, may, maybe you want to divide the, the, the city of Toronto and York and East York into two different municipalities so they can have relatively small councils, mm-hmm. just as you'd have Scarborough, North York, each with their own councils. I would then even go further and say, hey, we got to have the same kind of a thing for Mississauga and Mark, you know, and then try and say, how do we get them all together in some sort of confederation? So has this community councils not worked in Toronto? Oh, no, no, because it has no power. Hmm. No, uh, you, you, you want to have a government, a level of government that makes a final decision. And the problem with community councils in Toronto is their decision goes to city council. So it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. No, you, you want final decision-making power over certain particular things. And when we had a, a metropolitan style of government, which yeah. we did from 1953 until Mike Harris destroyed it in 1997, that's what we had. We, we had a federation where we had these six different municipalities. Mm-hmm who all had decision-making power, but they got together to talk about some common interests. Yeah. Well, was it, was that, that would talk- be a good idea. I mean, it was admired around the world when it was in existence until it got destroyed. Yeah. Let's do it again. So what did, what did um, my understanding is Metro probably took care of things like transit. The big stuff. Yeah. It, it, well, that and not, was their purview. Uh, transit was one of the things it took. Uh, a second thing was it dealt with sewage disposal so it had sewage disposal plants Hmm. right 
Um, and what happened is the local municipality would deliver sewage to them through pipe, a pipe system. But it did the actual disposal in the great big sewage plant. It did the water purification. It didn't deliver the water to individual homes. That was the local mm -hmm. municipalities that did that. Okay. It did the so-called big parks, but the local parks and local recreation, that was all run by that was all local. thing. So, yeah. um, you know, there was a re and it, it did the police. Now, I think the police are a bit of a problem. We'd have to figure out how to do it. The point is that, you know, we, we should have some consultative kinds of arrangements to talk about what we do. How do we have a government that's really efficient? Because it's not just the members of how many members of council. Mm -hmm. It's also how do you arrange things and who, who's responsible for what and how many staff, you know, all that stuff. The administrative part of it is at least as important as the political startup uh, part of it. Hmm. And so for Ford to rush in and say, boom, we're just getting rid of the councillors, Sorry, I mean this. This isn't good enough. Mm -hmm. You know, part of the problem is that the bureaucracy is still there. It, there will be less political control over the bureaucracy. Oh, we know what then will happen. The bureaucracy will bloom, yeah. <laughs> you know, expand wildly, and, you know, and it'll be more and more inefficient. I mean, the thing about governments: governments are large organizations, large organizations, and it could be doesn't matter if it's public or private. I mean, Bell Canada's the very same way are not very efficient. We all know that, right? I mean, you, yep. you know, your, your internet's in trouble and you phone up Rogers. Oh my God, what a man. Well, <laughs> sorry, this is the nature of big companies. <laughs> they, they don't work particularly well. And, and it, big government's the same thing. Did Mike Harris, did he campaign on Mega City? I, I, I don't no, recall. No, he didn't. No, he, he no, didn't. no, no. He, in fact, said, he, he you know, he, he, he did not believe in big government, big local governments. Mm -hmm. And then out of the blue, bingo. Of course, right? Conservatives, they don't believe in big, right? So that's what they say. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. What they, what they, what they do is div. So I'm, I see, because I'm, I'm curious, John, in terms of does someone have to stand up and say, listen, this is what you know? Let's let's assume you know we talked earlier about you know people getting involved in community organizing and you know in in the trenches sort of stuff where there's no limelight. You, you do it because you want to make a positive difference. Yeah. Um, and then someone says, you know, they've got enough people that are whispering in their ears hey you should run for counselor i think you do a great job so they, they go through that process um it it doesn't sound it's, it's not is it is it that it's not headline grabbing to talk about how to really make things work better whether it's hey you know what maybe we need to go back to a metro government and then you know five or six local governments and we give powers to both of them and if we need to go even further, drill down even further, um, you know, is it just that no one really cares about that stuff? People can't see it. Now, how is this going to make life better for me? You know, I just want a subway. That's all I care about. Or I, I want less taxes. Um, you know, it's not headline grabbing. right? It's true. It's true. But in fact, people going in and working on those issues create a new way of looking at the world that people say, oh, right, okay, oh, good, oh, yeah, okay. And and that's what changes things. Um, what we did in the, in the late 60s, early 70s, is we said, hey, neighborhoods are important. Neighborhoods matter. Mm -hmm. Oh, people said, really? Oh. I mean, and I can remember, it, to a lot of people, that was a real surprise. No, but really, neighborhoods matter. Well, of course, now everybody says, oh, yeah, neighborhood. we're a city of neighborhoods, right? Mm. But... So that was the thing that you get working on things and you look, you, you find new ways of looking at issues. Hmm. And when, when that happens, that's when people say, right, okay, we'll do it. Let's do it. And, and that's what we have to do. So it's, it's, it, you're right. There's no headlines there. Mm -hmm. Although in, in our case there were because, you know, leading big demonstrations and stuff in the, in the late sixties was, was fairly, fairly uh, interesting. Um, but the work was all grunt work. I want to talk about a ton of things. I don't know whether we have time to talk about a lot of things. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I want to ask you, well, we could talk about transit. We can talk about policing, because I know you, you've you been heavily involved, yeah, right. especially in policing. Um, be before we sort of start to close things down, I hope we can have you back to talk about more and in, in, in really focus in on stuff. I know today we talked a lot about housing. Yeah. Um, 
and I don't want to ask you now to come back later. We'll, we'll discuss and yeah. see, see when we can bring you back. But can we talk very briefly to close about the upcoming election? You know, what should um, Torontonians be asking for of their uh, prospective councillors, uh, of, of their potential mayors? You know, what, what should we be asking for? What should we be listening for, you feel? Well, I mean, the fr- we we first got to get this mess out of the road, mm. where um, you know there's an election slated for October the twenty second. We still don't know what the ward system is going yeah. to be. Yeah, um, we'll get a decision from the judge um, uh, in a week's time, uh, but it'll be appealed. So I mean, we, so w- what we've got the first thing we got to do is change the date of the election. We got to push it way back. All right. Uh, into December, maybe, or we we got to wait until all these lawsuits are over so we know what we're doing. Because mm-hmm. right now, what ward is anybody running in? Nobody knows. Everybody's just running. Well, but if you ask anybody, they don't. Like, well, nobody's but, sure of who they're running against exactly. even right now at this no, point. No, no, it's all very, very complicated. And then you don't have debate, right? Like, no, that's right. I mean, yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, I talking to a friend huh. yesterday who said, well, I'm all set to have an all-candidates meeting. I said, yeah, but who are you going to invite? Well, oh, that's right, she said. I you know, don't know. Yeah. So we, so that's the first thing. We, we've got to push really, really hard to get that date uh, changed. Mm. Are um, people talking about changing the dates? I'm beginning to start uh-huh. doing that. I'm, I'm organizing a right. big meeting about all that junk. Um, and once that happens, th- then, in fact, we'd be in a position of, of doing but. I mean, I, I hate to say this, but you know, it's hard to talk about big elections, jury, jury, big issues during an election campaign. Hmm. It just doesn't seem to get you anywhere. Yeah. No. They have to be on the table before you have an election. Yeah. Um, and they aren't at the moment. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. And th- that's, you know, and th- this is where the whole question of the mayor of Toronto really comes into focus because the mayor is one of the people in this big city who can actually say, here are the issues facing the city, and here are the choices that we have to make about them. And if we don't have a mayor who's saying that, then we don't know what we're doing. And we seem to be in that position at the moment. Hmm. And as I say, I think that's because we've got these two different cultures, the downtown culture and the suburban culture. And, uh, you know, if you want to get elected, you got to appeal to the suburban culture and don't, you know, it's a... uh, but it's very hard when elections underway to talk seriously about a lot of issues. I mean, most people are out there knocking on doors, and they're, you know, at the end of the day, you don't talk about the issues because you don't want to alienate anybody. I mean, it just, you know. Um, so that's it's a problem, isn't it? You yeah, should, you got to <laughs> talk about it all in advance. But I. I keep running into people, you know, I think I'd mentioned, oh, you know, oh, hey, I'm going to run in this election. Well, what have you done? Well, I've, you know, um, you know, well, I've, <laughs> mm-hmm. and that, you know, and that's the problem. And so we, we got to get much more serious about that stuff. Interesting. And is the, if, if, if it does become something against each other. Yeah. Uh, or three, depending on how the, the lines are drawn. And then anybody new, like we've talked to, Others. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they have a snowball's chance in hell, pardon the expression. Exactly. No, exactly. No, no, because you, you, you aren't well known. Yeah. Uh, g- given the decline of local newspapers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you just don't get the coverage. You, di- you, you know, the newspapers yeah. don't have the staff or the room now True. to start to say, here are the candidates who are running. I mean, they just, you know, here's what's going on all the time. It just, uh, that, and that, I think that's a big, big problem. The, decline of local media that will mm. you know create cultures that um you know we can share in and you know but I, I think part of the challenge too and i know we get our local newspaper i mean it's it's down to i mean it comes in and it's about you know an inch and a half thick of, of which there are four pages that actually have local yeah, news no, no, and the no, rest no, are flyers no, and it's no. just like like uh, you know, I remember, you know, growing up and getting the, 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 the local newspaper and it was, you know, had substantial news in there. They covered well, a lot of stuff. And not I, I realize the, we're the whole new media landscape now. That's right. But I mean, it's the, you look at the star and the globe. I mean, yeah. you know, they're just their coverage has really, really, really shrunk. 
um, local yeah and it's so so that that's a big big problem we haven't we haven't dealt well with that one and uh, i mean that that's a big bigger political issue yeah. in canada yeah. We left a lot on the table. Wanted to talk about community centers, libraries, oh my goodness. mass transit, housing. Can I can I just rhyme off some names and you just tell me your thoughts? Sure. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Desmond Cole. Yeah, been very interesting. He's played a very interesting role in terms of policing issues. He's the one who broke the carding issue in Toronto. Yeah, really, really strong. Do you think he should have put it through his hat in the uh, in the race? No, 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 he's not running. No, and no. I, I don't think he has a chance. You know, oh. you, if you if you're going to run, you you've got to be a rounded candidate, standing for a whole bunch of issues. Yeah, yeah. Jennifer Kiesmet. Well, I wish her luck. You know, she. I don't think she did very much as a as the head of city planning. Um, can she do something as you know as a merrily candidate? Well, we'll see. I don't know. It's funny because a lot of people feel that she know her as the city planner, but after listening to we've to to you talk today it's like oh all right yeah no, <laughs> it's discouraging yeah david miller david miller former mayor yeah you fought with him didn't you oh i did Not yeah, f- i don't know I physically did. but i, I know you fought. He had debated and well i, I mean it? we had these problems about you know taxation powers for the city and so forth mm-hmm. i mean he was a reasonable guy who tried to, to to bridge that gap of the city and, and the suburbs um but you know he's moved on What's your your favorite thing about the city of Toronto? Oh, I, I think the fact that it's this great big meld of all sorts of different people doing all sorts of different things. It's financially successful, culturally successful. It just has a really rotten local government. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a... what? Anything? Anything that? No, I, I. I mean, you know, you know, when I've you know traveled around the world, those are those are what I. Those are the things that I tell people. And about I mean, the, the city's known around the world. There, my wife and I, you know, we arrive in Berlin uh, three or four years ago, and we get a cab to, to to take us to where we're staying, and the taxi driver who is uh, 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 Turkish, I think, says, "Where from?" Oh, he said Toronto. Toronto, he said, and he, ooh, and he smokes up like, <laughs> like our famous mayor. Like our famous former. My God, I thought there we are in Berlin. <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 speak, I used to speak at a lot of conferences, and I'd always start my presentation with the um, the, the the mayor Ford fumbling with the football and falling backwards and I'd, I'd apologize on behalf of Torontonians because you know, I'd, I'd use it to you know to, to part of the expression take my piss out of myself in Toronto but you know it yeah. was it was getting it on the table because invariably as I traveled people wanted to talk about him yeah 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 um John thank you so much good thank you for, yes. for coming in the... it's been an honor if people want to <clears throat> I don't. Do you have any online places where people can follow what you're doing? The website. I know you've got johnsewell.org, um, but if people well, want to no, find johnsewell. out, well, no, johnsewell.ca. Is it actually. .ca? Yeah, .ca. That's my website. Yeah. That's your website, and yeah, you're johnsewell.ca. Yeah. And 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 you'll be organizing. Oh, what was that thing you said you were going to organize? Gonna oh, pushing big, the date. Big meeting. Big meeting. Pushing the date back. Is there any information yeah. on that right now at this no. point, or okay? No. Where well, where will we be? able to learn about that when oh it'll be in the next couple of days to learn about there you go perfect breaking right now thank you everyone for joining us again my name is cream kanji and that's uh greg tilston um please rate review subscribe on apple podcast stitcher google play uh you can find all these links on how to listen and subscribe to this and all the other episodes at creamkanji.com slash subscribe uh, Greg Tilston can be found on Twitter complaining about why his TTC bus is late. At Greg day. Tilston. Every day. And you can follow me laughing at Greg at Kareem Kanji. Yep. Uh, we actually have a Twitter account at welcome underscore podcast and as well as on facebook.com slash welcome podcast. If you liked this episode, um, you could also check out uh, other conversations I've had talking about Toronto issues. Um, specifically with uh, Richard Petty. Richard Petty, if I say that name, what does that mean to you? Oh, a big, wealthy guy from Met- Montreal, uh, Toronto Sports, uh, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. Mm-hmm. And now a big backer of Jennifer Keesman. Big backer. 
He'll be coming in in a couple of weeks, but he's uh, you could listen to him on episodes 42, 67, and 99. Again, John, thank you so much for joining us. Good. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you.